What should we expect from the Buffalo Bills offensive line in 2023? There's plenty to get into, and I'm breaking that down today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, we're talking offensive line here today on the podcast, just like we've done recently for quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers. We're going to tie a ribbon on the offensive side of the football today on Locked On Bills. And I know the offensive line is something that everyone's interested in protection for Josh Allen. It's so critical. And so let's dive into the dynamics of this offensive line. And we're going to do this by first reflecting on the 2022 season. Then I want to talk about what's new and what does that tell us about the direction of the position group. Then I want to get into my biggest questions now and in the future and then set our expectations for 2023. So let's start with that reflection on 2022. You had this offensive line that was primarily left tackle Deion Dawkins, left guard Roger Saffold, center Mitch Morse, right guard Ryan Bates, right tackle Spencer Brown. That was your group of primary starters at every position. I think you look at Deion Dawkins at left tackle, and I think he had a good season, right? I thought he was pretty much what you expect. One of the better left tackles in the game. Not an elite left tackle, but a fringe top 10 left tackle, and he does a nice job in the pass game and in the run game, has a lot of leadership and personality about him. He's a great fit for this football team. Then you go to left guard and you see Roger Saffold, and that was absolutely a disaster. He was so disappointing in so many ways, whether it was not being able to be consistent in pass protection, but the one thing you thought you'd get from Roger Saffold was run blocking, and you didn't. I think. It's quite clear that Roger Saffold's best football is well behind him, and he was a disaster at left guard for the Bills. At center, you had Mitch Morse, who I thought had a good season, continues to be one of the better centers in the league, really good in pass protection, tremendous range, ability to get out into space. The pin and pull stuff that the Bills like to do is possible because of Mitch Morse and his mobility, a high-quality center smart football player, a glue guy for the offensive line. You go to right guard and you have Ryan Bates, who I think is a sufficient starter. I don't think he's above average. He's kind of a get-by starter on your group, and you like his versatility. He's still a young player. He's only 26 years old. This is his age 26 season happening. And so I'm interested to see if there's more to unlock from Ryan Bates. I think you kind of know what you're getting, a versatile, baseline, sufficient starter. but not necessarily an impact guy. And then at right tackle, Spencer Brown, who it's a big year for Spencer Brown. He's 
a promising young player in terms of size and athleticism and pedigree. He's got plenty of room for upward mobility, but he's inconsistent. And there's plenty of reasons why he's inconsistent, but he has to play better than he has across his first two seasons. There's a lot to build upon from what he's gained in terms of experience and the physical traits that he has, but he has to become a more stable player at right tackle for the Buffalo Bills. And I think you saw a lot of inconsistency from him last year, but I will say, and I don't know that we acknowledge this enough, but he played better down the stretch as he uh, got further removed from the back injury rehab and the surgery. And we all know that he didn't have much of an offseason at all. And I thought as the year moved along, he was able to play better football later in the season. And obviously, there's still a whole lot more for him to achieve in terms of consistency moving forward. And this is a critical year for him. Your primary backups on the offensive line in 2022 were David Questenbury, who played right tackle. He played left tackle. He played right guard. He filled in at a number of spots for the team. The Bills had Greg Van Roten as the primary interior reserve. Uh, you saw situations where he would play right guard, and then Ryan Bates would go to center if Mitch Morse had to step out of the lineup. He provided some versatility on the interior. And then you had Bobby Hart, who filled this jumbo tight end role and did a pretty good job, logged 100 snaps as this big blocking tight end. And um, I think that's a, a job that's open for someone to take this year. And potentially that's Tommy Doyle, who was part of the mix last year until the first Dolphins game where he tore his ACL during the game, played like over 10 snaps with a torn ACL for the Bills to get out of that game. And then his season was over. Um, and, you know, remembering back to 2021, Tommy Doyle was kind of that Bobby Hart jumbo tight end player. So I'm interested to see what things look like for him in 2023. But you look at the group in totality, and I think you had a couple of standouts in Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morris as your best players on the offensive line. And then I think you had a lot of inconsistency at left guard in the form of Roger Saffold, right tackle in the form of Spencer Brown. And then you just had a, a sufficient player in Ryan Bates who doesn't necessarily help you, doesn't necessarily hurt you, uh, if that makes sense. But outside of just the performance of the individual players, a couple of comments that I want to make about the Bills offensive line um, that that frustrated me. I think number one is the protection schemes broke down. And look, I'll acknowledge there were plenty of instances where an offensive lineman just got beat by a defensive lineman and they were able to get pressure on Josh Allen or even sack Josh Allen. But I thought more times than that happened was protection schemes breaking down and communication issues up front and defensive coordinators just kind of knowing how to attack the Bills' pocket and where it was most vulnerable and get heat. I think that was something that frustrated me is the amount of times it was just mental, it felt like, and the protection schemes broke down. The other thing that I'd say is run blocking was definitely not great. I think it was probably better than we've seen in other years. Uh, you know, the last three years. But what frustrates me about the Bills' run blocking is that they want to be this multiple run offense, but we've seen for a couple of years now them start off wanting to be this wide zone rushing offense, 
that uses the athleticism of the offensive line and tries to stress things uh, horizontally and create some creases and kind of lean into that Shanahan wide zone rushing offense. Well, it doesn't seem to work. And then they transition to gap and then the gap blocking seems to be more effective. But for two years in a row now, we've seen the Bills start off as this wide zone rushing offense morph into a gap rushing offense. Well, come on, figure figure out what you want to be and do it and do it well. And I think that's taken away from the Bills being a more consistent rushing offense because they get good looks. They've got Josh Allen as their quarterback and a very dynamic player in terms of uh, throwing and running, and that should put a lot of stress on defenses and give you good looks to run the football. And I talk a lot about how running the football is often just a math equation where it's how many blockers do you have versus how many defenders they have in the box. And if you have even numbers or potentially an advantage, you should run the football effectively, especially with the threat of Josh Allen as a runner. But for some reason, the Bills don't ever have consistency running the football. And I wonder how much of it is not having any any form of consistent identity in terms of structurally how you want to run the football. And um, I'm hopeful that the Bills can be more aware of that and have the right plan entering the season moving forward. But uh, when I do reflect on 2022 and I think about conceptually how the team played up front, I was frustrated with protection schemes and I was frustrated with not having the right formula quick enough for how they wanted to run the football after falling into some of the same pitfalls the year before. All right, folks, we got a bunch more to get into here today on the podcast. I'm excited to look at what's new with the position group and get into some of my biggest questions now and in the future. Uh, But first, I want to tell you about eBay Motors. Our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week when making the first overall pick in fantasy football drafts in 2023 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey is a guaranteed fit a healthy McCaffrey is guaranteed to see well more than 300 touches again in his first full season in San Francisco and is the centerpiece of the 49ers offensive engine McCaffrey checks all the boxes including his talent and usage high floor and ceiling Run with CMC as the guaranteed fit at number one for a smooth ride to another year of big numbers. With eBay guaranteed fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle, right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up. Because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go with eBay Guaranteed Fit. Everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. 
Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to us customers, eligible items only exclusions apply. All right, folks, let's talk about what's new with the position group, the offensive line and, you know, interior and offensive tackles. And what does that tell us about the direction? And this, there's a lot to glean, I think, from some of the transitions with the personnel. 2022, we've been through it. Deion Dawkins, Roger Saffold, Mitch Morse, Ryan Bates, Spencer Brown, your primary backups, David Questenbury, Greg Van Roten, Bobby Hart, Tommy Doyle, Ike Bucker. 2023, you've got some turnover here. Deion Dawkins, of course. Mitch Morse is back. Ryan Bates, Spencer Brown. But Connor McGovern was signed to be the left guard for this football team. Then you have some intriguing depth at offensive tackle. You brought back David Questenbury. Tommy Doyle is healthy, and you also signed Brandon Shell, who's been a starter for a number of years in the league at right tackle. He's now in the mix. Interior offensive line, you drafted Osiris Torrance in the second round. You signed David Edwards, who's a player that has been a good starter in the league that has experience with Aaron Cromer from their time together with the Rams. Ike Bucker is back, and then you drafted Nick Broker, uh, in the seventh round out of Ole Miss. So you do have some some big-time transition here in some spots. Uh, so what does this tell us about the direction of the position group? Well, first of all, you've got some interior offensive line upgrades. Connor McGovern, three years, $22.3 million. That's the biggest contract the Bills handed out to a free agent, and it's not close, right? This was kind of, you can tell a player that they – targeted, went after and secured to be their left guard. You've also, like I mentioned, you signed David Edwards, who's a veteran, an experienced player that's was a, a pretty good starter for the Rams. Concussions were a problem from her, for him last year, but when he's healthy, he's been really good. And then Osiris Torrance, a second-round pick. And look, I've, I've mentioned this before, but the guard position for the Buffalo Bills has been a revolving door since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott took over this football operation. In fact, it's been a long time since the Bills have had consistency with the personnel at guard. In fact, if you look at the last time the Bills had the same primary starter at guard, left guard or right guard, year over year, it's been a while. You actually have to go back to Richie Incognito at left guard 2016 and 2017. That's the last time the Bills had the same player serve as the primary starting left guard, Richie Incognito, 2016 and 2017. For right guard, you got to go right back to that same time frame. John Miller, 2016 and 2017. That's the last time year over year you had the same primary starter at right guard. It's concerning. And what's concerning about that is the whiffs along the way. It's not that the Bills haven't tried to have consistency at guard. They just aren't making the right decisions with personnel. And I can point to a number of things, whether it's Wyatt Teller. And look, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but Wyatt Teller has turned into one of the best guards in the league, and the Bills, instead of cutting him, traded him for a couple of day three picks. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. but that was a mistake. Brian Winters, Quentin Spain, you gave him an extension and things – fell apart quickly. Roger Saffold was a disaster. Cody Ford didn't work out as a draft pick, a high second round pick. And so when you look at the year over year inconsistency and the personnel decision whiffs, 
come on now. You'd like to think that between this group of Connor McGovern and Osiris Torrance, who are both signed at least for the next three years, Torrance four years, in addition to bringing in a veteran in David Edwards who has time on task with your offensive line coach, you feel like hopefully you've stabilized this. Now, time will tell, but it's been an issue. So again, my first observation in what's new about this unit and what does it tell us? Well, they're still figuring out this guard thing. Number two is for the first time in a couple of years, the Bills showed us through the personnel choices they've made that they're willing to make some sacrifices in terms of athleticism. And while Connor McGovern is a big-time athlete at left guard, Osiris Torrance is not. Big, powerful blocker, but movement skills aren't necessarily his thing. And we've seen the Bills lean into high RAS score, relative athleticism score offensive linemen over the last couple of years, but making a premium investment in Osiris Torrance is definitely a zag to their zigs, right? Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe leaning into more big people that can create displacement is a good thing. But if anything, it it does, to me, signal some type of shift. And then number three is that you do have some contingencies at right tackle. Spencer Brown's a big part of this conversation. We'll talk about him a little bit more in a moment. But you've put yourself in position to bring back David Questenbury. But the to me, the bigger move is Brandon Shell. And I don't know if Brandon Shell is going to make this football team. I, I, you know, I think he's got a chance. We'll talk about that in a minute. Not a lot of guaranteed money on his deal, but he has been a starter in the league for a number of years. And having that in place as a contingency against Spencer Brown's development says something, right? It doesn't. It's not a situation where the Bills have big time competition for Spencer Brown. But there's enough there for you to say, okay, if it doesn't work out, we've got options. And I think that's responsible. So let's shift into my biggest questions now and in the future for this Bills offensive line. Number one, Spencer Brown. Can Spencer Brown realize his ceiling? It's critical. I've been through it a thousand times. His story as a high school tight end in eight-man football Goes to Northern Iowa, only plays offensive line for two years. Doesn't play football at all in 2020 because the season is canceled due due to COVID. Gets drafted in the third round. By week four, he's a starting right tackle for the Bills. Played, as you might expect, as a rookie up and down, but it was good experience for him. Then he has the back injury and has surgery. Misses entire offseason entering last year. I mean, Jay Skursky of the Buffalo News just put out a really good article that dove into that and some of the challenges and Spencer Brown being really honest about how difficult that was and also being very honest about how he knows how important this year is for him. I strongly encourage you to read that. But it was a tough go for him last year. And now, like, he's healthy. He's had a normal offseason. He's got a couple of years of experience, same offensive line coach year over year. Spencer Brown realizing his ceiling at right tackle is as big of a factor as there is for the Buffalo Bills in 2023. You can point to a lot of things for the Bills that need to go right, for the Bills to go win the Super Bowl this year. But Spencer Brown 
taking that big step and being the player that I guess the Bills would have in mind when they picked him in the third round and aggressively got him into the lineup early in his career. Like he's got to he's got to showcase that this year. It's absolutely critical for this football team. So Spencer Brown realizing his ceiling. My next big question is right guard. And there appears to be quite the competition at right guard. Ryan Bates is the incumbent. Osiris Torrance as the young second-round pick rookie that brings a little something different to the table. David Edwards as a experienced starter in the league with a resume of good play that has time on task with the Bills offensive line coach Aaron Cromer. And then Ike Bucker, who the Bills just can't seem to quit, right? And he started a fair amount of games throughout his time in Buffalo and, and provided a baseline level of play. And I think the team said a lot to us about the way they feel about Ike Bucker when after the Achilles injury, they signed him to an extension knowing that, I mean, he was basically not even going to be available at all last year and still signed to be part of the team. You know, should we be overlooking him as an option? So you've got this potential four-way competition between Bates, Torrance, Edwards, Bucker, at right guard. And like I mentioned, Ryan Bates, you know, he's 26 years old. They signed to a four-year extension. There's a big part of me that thinks he's the leader in the clubhouse to, to take this job. And then look, if he wins the job and he's just okay, they have options. But I'm I'm not convinced Osiris Torrance is your starting right guard Monday night football week one against the New York Jets. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Now, training camp will give us more clues, obviously, but as it stands right now, I kind of think this is going to be Ryan Bates. And then that kind of leads into this big domino question that I have with Ryan Bates. Because the Bills did draft Osiris Torrance in the second round, and you do that because you think he's going to be a starter. So let's live in a world where, I don't know, maybe next year, maybe at some point in 2023, Osiris Torrance becomes your starting right guard. Well, what does that mean for Ryan Bates? Is he a hedge against Spencer Brown at right tackle, right? He's a guy that played, he was a college left tackle, started his career in the league playing tackle and, you know, developed this versatility. But is he an option? I remember, I'd never forget Sal Capaccio talking about when the Bills were on the brink of potentially losing Darrell Williams in free agency, him saying that the team looked at Ryan Bates as a potential starter at right tackle. Then the other side of that is, okay, if Mitch Morse eventually is no longer on the team, is Ryan Bates your guy that you look at as his successor? And look, the center quarterback relationship is a big thing. And Josh Allen is tight with Rick Bates, as he calls him. So I'm I'm curious, because you drafted Osiris Torrance to eventually start at right guard. What does that mean to Ryan Bates? And I think there's options. I'm not sure we're going to get those answers quickly, but it's stuff I'm thinking about. Then you just have this overall competition that intrigues me so much. You're probably going to roster, at the end of the day, nine or ten offensive linemen. At offensive tackle, Dawkins and Brown are roster locks, and then you're going to keep two of Questenbury, Shell, and Doyle. So which two of Questenbury, Shell, and Doyle are rostered? Which one is not? That's intriguing to me. And then the interior offensive line, 
You have Mitch Morse, Connor McGovern, Ryan Bates, Osiris, Osiris Torrance. I think those four guys are roster lock, roster locks. And then you're going to keep one or two of David Edwards, Ike Bucker, Nick Broker, who you just drafted. So you have some really intriguing competition for who makes this football team. And that's a good thing on the offensive line. The last thing I want to note here before we get into my expectations for the Bills offensive line in 2023 is that you do have a lot of contractual stability here. You know, we've been through some of the position groups where the Bills don't necessarily have a lot of guys locked up. That's not the case with the offensive line. I mean, your core of this offensive line is signed at least this year and next. The only expiring contracts that you have right now are David Edwards, David Questenbury, Brandon Shell. Three backups. All your starters signed at least through 2024. Then after 24, guys with expiring contracts are Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse, Spencer Brown, and Tommy Doyle. There'll be some big decisions to make there. I think they're probably going to extend Deion Dawkins. There's already a couple of void years on his deal that you'd love to parlay into actual spending to a player that's on your football team. And so I'd, I'd expect Deion Dawkins' ex- extension potentially very soon after the season ends. And then locked up through at least 2025, you got Connor McGovern, Ryan Bates, and Osiris Torrance. So there's a lot more in terms of signed players when it comes to the Bills' offensive line. And that's intriguing. And potentially potentially a very good thing, but also maybe you're locked into some players you don't want to be locked into. So a lot to sort out when it comes to this Bills' offensive line um, now and in the future. All right, folks, in just a moment, I'm going to discuss my expectations for the Bills' offensive line in 2023. Just need a quick break. I'll be right back. All right, folks, let's get into my expectations for the Bills' offensive line in 2023, and I think they generally can be summed up in one statement, and that statement is stabilize in year two under Aaron Cromer. Stabilize in year two under Aaron Cromer. There's a lot that I imply by saying that, but in essence, stabilize this unit. I want to start with Aaron Cromer, who is regarded as one of the best offensive line coaches of the last 10, 15 years in the NFL. Resume speaks for itself. And maybe you don't think that favorably on Aaron Cromer because you thought the Bills offensive line performed just okay or maybe even below average last year. That doesn't mean Aaron Cromer's a bad offensive line coach. His resume speaks for itself. And so I'm very curious how things look with year-over-year continuity with the coaching staff and a big piece of the core of your offensive line. And so that makes me intrigued but also hopeful that you're going to see better performance across the board because of that year-over-year consistency with Aaron Cromer. Number two, in terms of expectations, be right with your big decisions. Be right in your big decisions. And I've talked about already on this podcast how the Bills have been wrong with a lot of big decisions when it comes to the offensive line. But there's there's three big decisions that come to mind for me that I want the Bills to be right about. Number one is continuing with Spencer Brown. You've expressed your belief 
both in the form of your words and your actions, that he's your answer at right tackle. You need to be right about that. You need to be right about that. I'm hopeful. I've already said, like, Spencer Brown is my new Dawson Knox, right? I was willing to kind of give Dawson Knox another year. I resisted all these ideas to sign Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry or trade for Zach Ertz. And I said, you know, Dawson Knox has what it takes to be a really good tight end in the NFL. And then that happened. In a lot of ways, I'm applying that to who I think Spencer Brown can be. But the Bills need to be right about this. Number two, in terms of being right in big decisions, you committed a lot to Connor McGovern. Three years, $22 million. That's between 7 and $8 million a year. It's a healthy amount of money to pay a guard. You did that because you thought he can be a starter for you, a good starter for you. Not expecting him to be Zach Martin or Quentin Nelson or anything like that, but can he be an average to slightly above average starting left guard for you for a number of years? The biggest contract you handed out to a free agent this offseason was Connor McGovern. Need to see it especially after all the whiffs at guard that we've talked about. So be right in committing to Connor McGovern. I don't think Connor McGovern is going to be a bad player. In fact, I think there's a lot of reasons to believe he'll be a better player for the Bills than he ever was with Dallas. And with Dallas, he was a very good pass blocker. Very good. And I expect that to continue to be the case with the Bills. But conceptually, how the Bills run the football, often out of spread formations with a little bit more spacing, as opposed to Dallas, which is a little bit more downhill, I think the way the Bills want to run the football lends itself more favorably to Connor McGovern. But be right in that decision. You haven't been right about a guard in a long time, including last year in Roger Saffold. Be right about Connor McGovern. Number three, in terms of being right on big decisions, it's drafting Osiris Torrance in the second round. You made a pretty substantial draft investment, right? I mean, the Bills haven't really drafted a bunch of offensive linemen high. And I, I could be wrong about this and just doing some quick inventory in my head. I know that they haven't picked an offensive lineman in the first round under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And I think in terms of second round offensive linemen, it's been Cody Ford and now Osiris Torrance, and that's it. You whiffed on Cody Ford. What's What did you learn about Cody Ford that's going to help you position Osiris Torrance to not be a second round whiff? This needs to be a hit for this team. And look, like I said, I don't know if he's going to be the starter right away this year. And, and if he's an inactive player in week one, don't sit here and throw your, your palms to the air and get lose your mind. Like that's, that's not a responsible way to look at it. It's not a reasonable way to look at it. But I want to feel good about the player I watch in camp and in preseason. And then when he gets on the field, when his opportunity comes to be the Bills starting right guard, I want to see it. I want to see it pan out, and for the Bills to be right about their investment in him in the second round. My next expectation for the Bills unit is for stable things to remain stable, and what I mean by that is Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morse continue to be above-average starting players in the NFL. Dawkins at left tackle, Mitch Morse at center. The last thing you need is for as you're trying to figure out if Spencer Brown's going to make it at right tackle or if Connor McGovern was the right choice at left guard or sorting out the four different players that can be your right guard, the last thing you need is 
for a drop in play or for something to go wrong with Deion Dawkins or Mitch Morse. Those are your, your anchors, your pillars of the offensive line. And then lastly, it's schematic stuff. Get your protection schemes figured out and get your run schemes figured out. Because those guys are going to perform at their best when you're using them to the correct ways and allowing them to be successful. And I don't know that the Bills last year, and and in some cases prior years, have done a good enough job with protection schemes and run schemes, mostly run schemes, protection schemes, more of a last year thing. Got to see those schematic elements stabilize. But a lot to sort out, some good competition. Got a good offensive line coach, plenty of options. Let's see how this comes together. And hopefully at the end of 2023, there's not the same level of questions about the Bills offensive line entering next offseason as there was this offseason. All right, folks, that's it for today on the podcast. That's it for the offensive training camp positional previews, if that's what you want to call these. I think they're more of just like a big thought dump about my about the position group, the way I see it entering a season, and that's how I like to attack it. But uh, tomorrow on the podcast, I'm planning on an A.J. Epinesa Boogie Basham conversation um, as we get into the defense next, you know, starting Friday and throughout next week before the Bills report to camp the following week. Um, I want to I do a little bit of in-depth work on Epinesa and Basham. I want to spend some time watching their film and um, – talking about them and what I see and how we can project them moving forward, because I think that could be them having an impact on this defense would be excellent. And I know Epinesa had six and a half sacks last year, but we're still looking for more there and even more from Basham. So that's coming your way tomorrow. And then we'll get into uh defensive training camp preview starting on Friday. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it. If you took a second to rate review and share the podcast Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. Look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.